Thank you, Audrey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are our living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. We want to declare that. It was so incredible. That song was awesome. Uh, I pray that we would hear the truth of the gospel this morning, whether we've heard it or not, and that we would believe it, and that lives would change as a result of the one and the only, the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your great name. Amen. Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? What's happening outward Silverton? This is week seven of this little church plant that we got going on. Thanks so much for joining us. If you've been a part of this, I hope you're loving it. I hope you're loving Galatians. Uh, Have you loved Galatians? People that have been here, has this been awesome? I feel like I've been in it, like I am in Galatia. I've been been reading it and studying it. I feel like I'm watching what's going on. I am with Paul, as he, Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Galatians. It's a brawl. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but Paul is hot. He is ticked at the Galatians because they're messing up the gospel. And I feel like, a little bit like I'm on the sidelines watching Paul and the Galatians go at it. I was in uh, Silver Falls Park the other day, and I almost saw a brawl. We were at that little swimming hole, you know, right up the road, and some guy starts yelling and screaming, and I'm like, what's happening? Somebody's hurt. So I run down there and, and check with this guy, and it was his, uh, his daughter got pushed by some other kid, and he was ticked. She had a little bump on her head, and he was hot. He was looking for the parents of this kid, and he was yelling and screaming. And once I realized, like, oh, he's trying to fight somebody. Yeah, you're good, man. It looks like you got everything under control. But, of course, I, like, followed behind a little bit to see if he would actually find uh, the, the family. He was about my size, okay? Not exactly the biggest guy. And who are the parents of this, uh, of this kid that pushed his kid? It's like a biker gang. He just happened to find the, the biker gang, you know, so he's, so he's having a yelling match. I'm with my son, who's, um, who's, you know, following behind me. I'm trying to get a good view, like, what's going down? Are they going to, like, they're in a yelling match? Are they going to start throwing punches? Uh, and they didn't. But my son was like, what's happening? I'm like, I think these adults might, might fight. And he's like, What? Adults fight? <laughs> you know, like he's trying to figure this out. I'm like, you know, only about the important stuff, you know, uh, like uh, youth sports or Little League, something like that, maybe an abrupt lane change. Only, adults would only fight about, about important stuff. So Paul is ticked at the Galatians, and it feels like he wants to brawl. I mean, I don't know that he's going to fight them, but he's, but he's writing stuff. And he says in, one, in verse 2, of Galatians. Let me get my, my stuff together here. He says, uh, let me ask you only this. Okay, he says, let me ask you this one question. And then he proceeds to ask five questions. Almost like, let me just ask you one thing. And another thing. And another thing. And another thing. This is what, you know, this is what people do when they're, when they're fired up. So let me ask you only this. Outward Silverton. Do you live by faith or do you live by foolishness? Paul calls the Galatians foolish twice, okay? So there's something about foolishness here that, uh, that we need, to, that we need to, to learn. Do you live by faith or do you live by foolishness? Let me ask another, uh, another way. What's on your list? What's at the top of your list? I think of a list of priorities, Okay, when I think about this for my own life, 
I think I have 10,000 things going on this week. There, I couldn't have more on my plate this week. And when I think of who's at the top of my list, it's like, it's anything but Jesus. It's anything but faith in Jesus is at the top of my list. I've got uh, work. I've got a 10-day road trip that a few of us are going on right after the service here. So packing for that. I got a remodel going on at the house. I got all my windows being replaced, car repairs. I have a family <laughs> and a wife. I sorry, Holly. I, she should have been at the top. This is in no particular order. The things that I'm that I'm the, my list here. Oh, and then there's Jesus. There's there's faith in Jesus. Here's what happens when you hear the gospel. When you hear the truth of the gospel and you believe it, something crazy happens. Faith goes from wherever it is towards the bottom of your list and bing, right to the top. When you, when you understand the gospel, like intellectually understand it, oh, Jesus died and he rose again and he did it for me. That doesn't do much, okay? It's a good start, but that's, that's not good. You have to believe the gospel. You have to see Christ on the cross. You've got to understand what he did for you. And once you see it, just like Paul is saying in verse 2, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. These Galatians didn't actually see Jesus crucified, but they could visualize Christ crucified. They understood why he had to be crucified and understood why they needed faith in Jesus to cover their sins. Last week, we talked about this story. I was trying to help us visualize the, the cross. It's a great story about, um, actually, it's a horrific story of Gettysburg. Okay, I'll just give you the summary version if you weren't around. Robert E. Lee, General Lee, is on the third day of this horrific battle. More people died in that three-day battle than the, than the entire Vietnam War. Okay, bloodbath. He's standing back in a place of safety. Lee is. And he's trying to defeat the North. The North has the high ground. They, they're all dug in. There's like 100,000 of them up there. They've got a rock wall, three or four feet tall, that they're hiding behind. Lee has, has a, a, a lesser um, strategic you know, spot here. His advisors are telling him, you can't win this battle. Don't go up there. Like We're going to be massacred. But Lee disregards their advice, and he sends every single one of his troops up this huge hill where there's no cover, there's no help, hope of them surviving this. He sends all of their troops, other than maybe the cooks or something, into this incredible battle, and what happens? He stands in a place of safety, his men go before him, and they're massacred. They're, they're destroyed, they're torn apart. It is a bloodbath. So last week we contrasted that with Jesus. Is this what Jesus does? Does he stand back in a place of safety? Does he stand back and say, all right, believe in me now. Get out there and get your act together. Get out there and, and get your behavior right. Get out there and fulfill all the Christian rules. And if you don't, I'll be standing here. I'll be watching and I will be quick to condemn you. I will turn my back on you. I will ditch you. Is that what, is that what we know about Jesus? No. In Deuteronomy... It says, the Lord goes before us. Jesus doesn't send us into a battle that we can't win. He, he tells us to stay back where it's safe, and he goes into the battle. He climbs the hill, and he is torn apart, and his body is broken, and his blood is shed, and he climbs up on that cross, and he dies for us. 
And what do we know? He, he didn't sin. He conquered the law. He fulfilled it perfectly. He actually won the battle. He fulfilled it, but he still died. First John 4 said, he who knew no sin became sin so that what? He proved he was righteous on that cross and so that we could become the righteousness of Christ through faith in him. It's crazy. Just faith in him, we get the same kind of righteousness. It brings fulfillment. It brings satisfaction. It brings that living hope we just sang about. It brings completion to our life. Anything else that we do to try to fulfill ourselves, to try to satisfy ourselves, to try to complete ourselves, like Jerry Maguire. If you remember, that's like 1996. Like half the people in here know. Does anybody know who Tom Cruise is anymore? Yeah. Anything other than faith to try to get that fulfillment, to try to get that satisfaction, to try to get that completion is total foolishness. This is what Paul is telling us, okay? This is what we're gonna, this is what we're gonna discover. So let's contrast foolishness with faith, shall we? Let me read just the first part of, uh, of the section that Audrey just read for us. Oh, foolish Galatians, oh, you fools. Who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? What are you thinking? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Like I said, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Do you, let me remind you. I don't think you're thinking clearly about this. So they're foolish. When I think of fools, I think of like Proverbs, which is like a wisdom book, one of the wisdom books. Okay, it talks a lot about being wise and being foolish. So I grab this one verse, Proverbs 122, to help us understand the foolishness of the Galatians. Proverbs 122 says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? And how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? So from that verse, we, we got a couple different types of fools. All right, we got the simple and we got the scoffer. And the Galatians are, are fulfilling those beautifully. Okay, let's start with the simple. The simple are the gullible. Okay, these are like children. They're easily swayed by the spectacular or the dramatic. They, uh, they need approval a lot. They, they, uh, they, they need approval too much. And anybody with a forceful personality might be able to sway them, might be able to lead them astray because of their, because of their personality. The simple can change, they can learn sense, and they can change their ways, or they can graduate into full-blown fools. This is what Keller says in a book that I read on, on Proverbs that he wrote. Okay, so that's the, that's the simple. The Galatians are being led astray by the forceful Jewish leaders of the time. They're telling them, hey, it's not just Jesus. You, you can't be saved through, through just faith in Jesus. You got to earn it. You got to work. You got to follow. It was Jewish rules back then, but now it's, it's more equated to moralism. You got to work. You got you to gotta, you gotta earn this. It's, it's too easy just to, just to believe and, and be saved through faith. So that's the simple. And then we got the scoffer. The scoffers are a little bit more intense, okay? They're smug. Scoffers are skeptical. They're cynical. 
They appear wise and sophisticated because they can poke holes in any argument, can't they? Have you, have you known a scoffer? Have you, have you seen this? They're like the one-uppers, you know? Oh, you bought a truck? I bought a newer truck. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're ridiculous. They're awful to be around. Their goal is to mock everything and trust no one except themselves. They're wise in their own eyes, and they don't take advice from anybody. The false apostles, the false apostles, the Jewish leaders of Galatia are scoffers. These are a great example. They were wise in their own eyes, and they're trying to lead people astray. Let's read in verse 3 here. Let's, let's pick it back up. There's a, this is a great verse. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul is like... I feel like he's got a bit of a, a mocking tone himself. I feel like if we were in Galatia and they were having a conversation, he'd be like, what if I, let me just paint you a picture here, Galatians. What if by some crazy chance you became, you, you believe the gospel and then somehow by some miracle, Jesus would come and live inside of you. And by the power of Jesus living inside of you, you would live differently. You would act differently. And your life would start to conform by the power of this crazy thing. Jesus inside of you, you would conform to to look a little bit more like Jesus over time. Wouldn't that be crazy, Galatians? And then he'd be like, that's what happens. This is the Holy Spirit. That's that's Jesus inside of us. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. When we believe, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We are born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are saved at that one minute that we believe. And then the Holy Spirit helps us change over time. That's what they're forgetting. That's what the Galatians are forgetting. Second part of this verse says, Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Tim Keller is, uh, is this, great, this great pastor and author, and he, he thinks this is a big deal. He says that perfected, are you now being perfected by the flesh? When Paul wrote this, that, that word that they translated into perfected, it, it was written in Greek originally. The, the Greek word, I think, is epitileo, and that can also mean completion or completed. So you can read it. You can read that verse Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being completed by the flesh? Keller says, we are all striving to complete ourselves, to make ourselves acceptable to God, ourselves and others, and we trust our efforts to attain that through moral, through our our good deeds, through our work, through our success at work, and through relational achievements, the relationships that we have. To believe in Christ is to enact a revolution in what we trust for our sense of epitaleo or our completion, our perfection. The false apostles, they believed initially. When Paul was in Galatia preaching the gospel, they believed. They saw him on the cross. But now they're scoffing. They're they're turning to foolishness. They're saying, no, to receive the righteousness of Christ By just faith, it's too easy. It's too cheap. It's not worth anything if you just hear it by faith. And that's kind of true. Isn't that how we feel about things we get for free? I get free magazines at my office all the time. I just toss them. 
right? I didn't pay for that. I don't care what that is. That's not valuable to me. This is a little bit different than a, than a free magazine, but this is what the false apostles are, are thinking. It's too easy. It's too cheap. To get something so great like faith and the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, they're, they're preaching to these simple people that you must have to do correspondingly great works. They're looking to themselves to justify themselves, and that is foolishness, okay? Enough about the fool. Let's turn now to faith. We gotta introduce a new character into the story. Gotta introduce Abraham, good old honest Abe. I'm just kidding, I'm just messing with you. I know it's not Abraham. This is the Jewish Abraham, not Abraham Lincoln. Let's read, let's read verse six here. Just as Abraham believed God, actually, I'm gonna go back to five because it doesn't make sense when you just started at six. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Let's stop there for a second. There's, there's three things that we got to bring up when we're talking about the faith of Abraham. Number one, I don't know if you caught it, but verse eight says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. That means this book is not a, it's not a book of disconnected stories. Oh, Abraham's very different than, than Jesus, and Jesus is very different than Paul or, or whatever all the, the other stories are. It is one story, and the gospel is the thread that, that keeps it all together. We see it in the beginning. We see it in Abraham here. His story is pointing to what? Forward to Jesus and the gospel and how belief is counted as righteousness when we believe in Jesus on the cross. And then we see Jesus in the middle of the book in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when, when that's, that's called the gospels. It's telling his story. And then we see uh, at the end of the book in Revelation and, and, and the other books pointing backwards to Jesus. And then we go even further to, to Silverton, outward Silverton. We're still pointing back at Jesus. Like the, this whole book in, the, in all of life is pointing to one story. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got to know that. That's the first thing. The second thing is who Abraham is here is, is pretty incredible. The fact that Paul... So remember, he's brawling. He's doing battle with the Jewish leaders. He's trying to poke holes in their argument that you need to follow the rules in order to be saved. And he's using the father of their own religion to make his point. He's saying, even the father of your religion would agree with me. He knows it's not by works that you're saved. He knows that it was just belief. Abraham believed and it was counted as righteousness. I don't know if you guys know Abraham, but this is what he believed. Him and his wife, Sarai, I think is how you pronounce that. Him and his wife were barren. They're like in their 90s. And God makes a promise. I will, I will, um, I just turned the page. Promise that his offspring would be as innumerable as the stars. 
And he's in his 90s. They, they couldn't have children. It, it, this is completely out of Abraham's control, completely and totally. God would have to do a miracle to get his wife pregnant here. This is, this is what Abraham believed. And he believed that God could do it. And the belief counted as righteousness. This is a big deal because Abraham was not righteous. But God credited the belief as righteousness. Some commentators, I guess, believe that belief is a form of righteousness, that, that uh, belief is kind of merits God's righteousness because it's so hard to believe or something. But that's not what the scripture says. It says his belief was counted as righteous, not that he was righteous. Here's the other thing about this, this section, this, this faith. Why is belief and faith so important? Have you ever thought about this? Why is, why is belief the thing? Why does that save us? Martin Luther says, faith and trust is the highest form of worship. Okay, obedience, being generous, serving people, uh, sharing the gospel with people, um, helping the poor. These are all good things. It's a way to worship God. I do this because Christ, yeah, I, I serve others because Christ served me. Like, that's good. But, but belief and faith is the highest form of worship. I just watched Fixer Upper the other day, one of the, one of the new episodes. And, and Joanna Gaines is, you know, they're in like this design consultation when she's like, hey, what's your, um, what is your opinion? What's your style? I want to, I want to, she's saying this to her client. I want to incorporate your style into your home. And the lady just kind of laughs and says, oh, I've got opinions, but I want what you want. I trust you and your style. Your style is impeccable. And I want what you want. It, it almost took Joanna Gaines's breath away for a second. She was like, oh, oh, okay. It was totally honoring to Joanna to say, I trust you. I believe you. Whatever you want to do. Like, it makes sense. Like, when our kids, when we tell them, hey, will you go do this for me? And they might not know what it, what it means. They say, well, it doesn't make any sense, Dad. But okay, I'll go, I'll go and do this for you. Like, how honoring is that to us? I don't know that I've ever experienced that. I'm sure, I'm sure Henry maybe has done that once, once or twice before. But how about when they disagree, when they doubt you, when they argue with you? Why would I do that? That's dumb. What are you telling me to do, Dad? I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. How dishonoring is that? When we seek justification when we seek fulfillment and satisfaction and completion through our own work through through working through suffer, suffering through toiling on our own we make god into a slave driver that's not who he is he's a merciful god he's kind when we do these things when we when we argue and we we scoff at how easy faith is we dishonor God, and when we believe him, we believe the promises of God. When we trust him, we honor him. So much so that that belief and that faith, it's so important to him, he counts it as righteousness. That's how important that is. Isn't that wild? I, I can't even believe, I can't believe it. Like, I can't, I can't believe, no, I do believe, but I do believe trying to believe. No, but this is, this is crazy stuff. So we talked about foolishness. We talked about faith. So what do we do? 
We got to stop being foolish like the Galatians, and we need to have faith like Abraham, right? Let's pray. <laughs> like, I would, like I would end right there. Like, now stop doing the bad things, start doing the good things. What does that sound like? That sounds like moralism. We forgot something. It would be like the, the worst sermon ever. Not the worst, okay? We, I'd mentioned the gospel a few times. It wouldn't be that bad. But I'm forgetting something. What is it? I'm forgetting the gospel. What is the gospel? We are too sinful for our own salvation. We need a complete and total rescue. Jesus offers us that rescue through faith on his, in his work on the cross, plus nothing else. We can't do anything else to save ourselves. That is the gospel. So we don't choose faith, and I won't choose foolishness anymore. That's not honest. That's not the real story. We may want faith. We may desire faith. We may even have faith, but we are foolish. Just like the Galatians, we are cursed by foolishness. Abraham, if you keep reading his story, he's not the hero, just so you know. There's so many examples of these people. We get this messed up. We think, oh, yeah, I should have faith like Abraham, and I should, I should be great like Paul, and I should do all these things. These are examples of sinful people just like us. Abraham is cursed by foolishness. Later on in the story, there's like a famine in the land, and they're going to Egypt, and they're going to, uh, going to Egypt, and, and Abraham's scared because his wife's really attractive, apparently. And so he tells his wife, hey, when we get to Egypt, Pharaoh's kind of a rough dude. He's probably going to kill me and take you as his wife. So will you do me a favor? Will you tell him that we're brother and sister? Because that's not weird. <laughs> He's a coward. He's cursed by foolishness, just like me, just like all of us. Okay? That's the message that I want to get across to you guys. That's the message that Paul is trying to get across to us. This is, this is actually kind of a simple concept. You can't earn faith or you can't earn justification through your own works. It's just by faith, okay? It's just by faith. It's not works. It's easy. Henry can understand this. Henry does understand this. But how much more complex is this for us as individuals to put this into practice? We've got like 100 or 20, 40 people here. We all took some crazy turns to get to this barn this morning. Every one of our stories couldn't be more different. We have different people that influenced us. We got different decisions that we made. Let me give you two examples of how this is complex and maybe more difficult than we give it credit for, having faith over foolishness. Some of us have deep, dark insecurities in our life because someone, when we were growing up or earlier in our life, someone that we looked up to didn't give us the love and the affection that we needed or desired. Who is it that often is the one that does this? Who is it that has power in our lives oftentimes to do wonderful things or to do a lot of damage? It's daddy. So many of us have 
daddy issues or father figure issues where somebody maybe didn't love us enough, we didn't feel like that we were loved enough, or God forbid they abused us and they were, they were mean or cruel or, or whatever else. That leaves a hole in your soul. And what you try to do, when that, whether you know that you do this or not, some of you don't realize this, but you try to fill that hole. What do you fill it with? You fill it with your efforts, with your work, with your career, with your relationships. You fill it with your good deeds and you say, I wasn't valued by that person, but this, I have value here. Look at all the things I've done. Look, the world thinks this is valuable. I am valuable, I have value. I don't care if that person didn't love me. I am proving that I have value. So when I say, you gotta put Jesus at the top of your list, like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm like telling you to tear down the foundation of your life, possibly something that's been in place for decades. It's more difficult than we give it credit for. This is more difficult, I think, than we realize. It's easy, it's simple to understand, but putting it into practice is more difficult. How about something else? How about the, uh, how about the one that didn't, didn't um, have someone else treat them poorly, but they, but they made some terrible decisions. They treated themselves poorly. They, they, they made some awful decisions. It's not deep, dark insecurity. It's a deep, dark sin. It's a deep, dark secret that they have. I talked to a buddy of mine who struggles with a porn addiction, and he gave me some insight on this. He said, man, my works, what I do, it's a defense mechanism. I, I, I am so ashamed of, of the things that I've done, the guilt in my life. Like I am so scared that this is who I am, that I will work my fingers to the bone to prove I am not that sinner. I am not this horrible person. And so look at my career. Look at my wife. Look at these beautiful children. Would someone who's a dirty, rotten sinner with these deep, dark secrets, is, is, could somebody have this incredible value? Could they have this incredible family? Look at these good deeds I do. Do you see? Like, we're trying to cover the sin with our own efforts. We're trying to, to, to bury that deep, beneath our lives by and then proving it with all of these works so when i tell you that you need to put jesus that faith needs to be the the first thing on your list the the thing of most important to you this is like it's survival for them these people with deep dark shame and guilt and i'm telling them that you can't do that anymore you got to reveal this stuff to jesus And it's scary because maybe they've already revealed this to people and they've been beat down for it. They've been shouted down for this horrible sin in their life. I think, like, can I just be honest? I think I've done that to people. Like, you just need to get your act together. You just need to figure it out. Knock it off. I mean, like, just made them feel even more terrible. Listen, if, if if you can relate to any of this stuff, like if, if there's somebody in your life that didn't love you enough or if there's some deep, dark secret that you're trying to cover with your work, you're trying to prove your value, you just gotta listen. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. Your worth and your value has been proven on the cross. You no longer have to work your fingers to the bone. 
Think, well, how does the cross prove your value? The one with the most value, the one with the most worth ever of all time went to the cross for you. He died for you. And you inherently get value because the one with the most value thinks you're valuable enough to die for. You're cursed by foolishness, perhaps. Verse 10 says this, for all who rely on the works of the law are, are under a curse. You're cursed by foolishness, but what do we know about the gospel? Verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. We are foolish. He is not. He took our foolishness and then he offers us wisdom. He takes our sin. Him who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Our debts have been paid. Our our sins have been forgiven. And now we receive this incredible inheritance that is the righteousness of Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. Ah, it's hard to believe sometimes, but it's true. It's not too good to be true. For once, it's not too good to be true. This is the truth. This is real. At Outward, we uh, throw around a term to know and be known a lot. We, we feel strongly that this is a community. This is a group of people. We want to know each other and we want to be known by each other. This is Why? so that we can start to reveal some of these deep, dark insecurities that we have with friends, with somebody that that won't shout them down or won't make them feel ashamed, but somebody that could point you to the gospel and say, hey, that's foolishness. You're not defined by what the decisions you made. You're not defined by your father. You're defined by Jesus. You're defined by the work on the cross. You have value. This is, what, this is what we want to do here. This is the whole point of this church. We're going to start community groups later this year, I think probably in the fall. These are great opportunities for us to get together, get to know people so we can share these things with other people. I want to take a second. We'll invite the band and, and communion up, and we'll, uh, we'll close here. At, uh, at Outward, we do communion every week. Wait, do we have communion? Yes, I think we were running out of cups. We do this every week because Jesus tells us to. <laughs> and, he did, and he did communion before he, before he went to the cross. We can just have you stand up right now and then grab, grab some juice and a cracker. This is just an opportunity for us to Sit and and think about our lives, to think about your list. What is on your list? What is at the top of your list? How much stuff is above Jesus on your list? How how many things are up there? And then let's, let's think through. Let's take a few minutes and think through um what that means, how, how foolish this is. We spent a few minutes in, in repentance, asking God to forgive us for the foolishness um, that, that is trusting in anything else, in our efforts, in our work, 
maybe in our relationships, in our politics. What, I mean, it's endless, all the stuff that can, that can go um, ahead of Jesus. Sometimes a way to figure this stuff out is you, you, you wake up in the morning, maybe you don't even open your eyes yet. What's the first thing that comes to you in the morning? Tomorrow morning, do this. What is the first thing that shows up? What stress, what hope, what, um, what thought is the first thing that shows up in your mind? That's probably an example of what's at the top of your list. So we go to communion, we think about where we have been foolish, and then we don't, we don't walk around depressed, we don't walk around like we're, we're dirty, rotten sinners, I just need to work to prove that I'm not a sinner anymore. No, we stop doing that, we start thinking about Jesus. We start thinking about the cross and what that means for us. We take Jesus' body and we think about what he did. He says, no, you're not, you're not a dirty sinner. I paid for that sin. You may be foolish, but you have incredible value and faith in me, faith in my work on the cross. That means that should mean everything to you. I proved you have value and I did it with my broken body. Let's take the body and do this in remembrance of him. He says, not only did I did I have my body broken, but my blood was shed. You now only, not only do you have your, your, your sins forgiven, but you receive my righteousness and I paid for it with this blood that I shed on that cross. Let's take his blood and do this in remembrance of him. Jesus, we, we love you. We love your story. We recognize this is, is easy to understand. This is so easy to understand. Even a child can understand it. You even alluded to that in scripture. But this is, oh, these are the foundations we've built our lives on in some cases. Trying to prove our value through our success, through our income, through our, through our spouse or through a, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend or relationships or the friends that we have or our our good deeds. God, we, we ask for your forgiveness from all this. We, we recognize we are sinful, but we want faith. We desire faith because we know that that's all you care about. You want faith and that you count that as righteousness. I pray that people would see this for the first time today, maybe, but existing Christians would hear the gospel again, hear the truth of the gospel, and they would believe again, and that, and that faith in you and that your work on the cross would end up at the top of their list. We pray this in your incredible name. Amen. Listen, let's go ahead and stand together. This is the part where we get to party. We get to get excited. We get to worship passionately about the work of Jesus on the cross. Let's do that now.